Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. So just today I posted a picture that says, things we need to normalize for men. Mental health issues, going to therapy, asking for help, showing emotions, speaking up, and not being okay. And the reason I shared it is because there is a massive stigma around mental illness, particularly for men. Suicide is the leading cause of death for men aged 15 to 44, and it's the third leading cause of death for men from 44 to 65, or something around that. And I think the main reason, and don't get me wrong, it, it is a you know, human-wide problem, but particularly for men, it's not normalised that we talk. It's not normalised that we share. It's not normalised that we admit that we've got a problem. The alternative, what we're given, what we're suggested to do, what is seen as manly is to drink, to smoke, to get high, to do toxic coping strategies, you know, bottle it all up and then get angry and explode or take an action we can't take back. So I feel like, and I was talking to my a new therapist yesterday about this, the idea that the more you talk, the more you share, the more it becomes okay for people to talk and share. And I know that particularly recently, I've had a bunch of people come up to me, friends and family members and family members of friends that I've never even met before, basically saying like, hey, we follow you. You're doing a great job talking. Um, I'm never going to comment online because I don't feel comfortable doing so, but I just wanted to let you know, Zach, that you're doing a good job and all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, it always takes me by surprise and I'm, I'm sort of happy that people are listening, but I'm also a bit upset that they, they don't feel comfortable sharing and talking about it openly and honestly. And I know that some people are inspired to do so, and some of the circumstances and the conditions preclude other people. But I just want to reiterate again that if you are open and honest about things, people do care, and there is a stigma, but a lot of that is in our own heads, in the sense that when I do open up, when I do talk, when I do share, there's far less pushback than I imagine that I'm worried about then sort of my mind makes up that there will be. So I encourage you to speak up, reach out and connect. And also if you can just, you know, post a little thing saying, hey, if anyone's got a problem they want to talk about, I'm up, I'm out there, I'm available, as in you. The idea being that they might not respond to you now, but in a month's time, in a year's time, when something is going wrong in their life, they might reach out and say, hey, you know, I'm struggling right now. I need, I need some help or Maybe it's not even that direct. Maybe they'll just connect with you and then you'll, you'll get this sense that something's up. So I just encourage you, you know, take some time and share and talk and communicate and all of that good stuff because it really will help and uh, hopefully to reduce the, the instances of male suicide, suicide in general. You know, there's that saying that I fully agree to is that I would rather have an awkward conversation with you now than read an obituary. I'd rather... <laughs> get to have a depressing conversation now than read a depressing obituary, that sort of stuff. So please do reach out. And if you want to connect with me, DM me. You can find me on social at Zach P. Phillips or on my website at Zachary-Phillips.com um, and just reach out. Now, with that in mind, I'm not an expert in the sense that I don't have a qualification. So I can provide you with guidance. I can provide suggestions. I can provide you with a listening ear. But I will, I will encourage you to speak to a psychologist and find a good one. And that's sort of, there's a couple of things that I sort of want to go into with the rest of this podcast, but find yourself a good therapist, one that you trust and find one before you need it in the sense that if you've got a therapist that you trust and something goes wrong, they're there for you. 
Whereas if something goes wrong and you now need to find a therapist, the mental health, the motivation, the drive to be able to do it, and also to develop that trust when shit's hitting the fan is quite challenging. The reason I bring this up is I, yesterday as a recording, I saw a new psychologist. Now, I don't know if this one will be the one that lasts, um, but I've had some issues with psychologists in the past. I've had some issues with their professionalism and their competency and that sort of stuff. And, you know, despite that, I've, I've had some good things, but I've had a lot of things that are not quite that good. So I wanted to highlight that if your experiences with psychologists are not so great, keep pushing through it. So what I'm going to do now is share a couple of things that, uh, a couple of negative experiences that I've had with psychologists, um, just to give you an idea of maybe what to avoid or what are some warning signs that what I've lived through. So one of, one of my first psychologists, he was with me for like a year and then all of a sudden just left. Just like, okay, that's our last session, not able to see you again. And then maybe half a year later, he came back to the practice and started seeing me again and then stopped seeing me very quickly, abruptly, did the same, same thing um, and sort of just abruptly stopped seeing me again and wasn't taking clients anymore. No explanation given that was seemingly legit. I thought that was a bit, that was a bit sort of terrible. Another time I saw a relationship uh, therapist with my partner. We wanted to sort out a couple of things and make sure our communication was on point and all of that sort of stuff. And I started sharing with her my history of past trauma because it felt relevant to connection and to trust and to all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, even before I got into anything, anything deep, anything sort of intense, there was this sort of response of like, oh, oh my God, wow, whoa, really over the top, really sort of explicitly stating how surprised and shocked she was by my past and not in a way that was endearing to a connection. It just, it was like, dude, have some professionalism, hold your tongue. And if, if the issues I've got are over your head, own it. She chose not to do any of that. And I was sort of left feeling quite quite upset by her lack of um, professionalism. Another therapist, we started and she sort of got this idea of what condition I had or what was wrong with me. And then I would present a problem. And then every time she would come back at me with, well, that's because of this condition. And maybe it was, but I, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy the diagnosis. And it sort of seemed like that was her specialty. So every... You know, it's like to a hammer, every problem's a nail. And having seen other experts since then, that sort of confirmed that case. But that wasn't the main problem because, you know, maybe she, that was she seeing in me, that's the condition, whatever. The main problem was that she ended up sharing a lot of her concerns with me. And it almost felt like I was giving, well, it didn't feel like it, it was like I was giving her therapy and business advice in the sense that she was starting out on online stuff. She was developing stuff online and doing things similar to what I'm doing, you know, with the podcast and with books and all that sort of stuff. And it started out with, you know, the idea that she would develop a rapport with me by, you know, inquiring like, how are you doing at work? Yada, yada. But then she started picking my brains and then she was not confident about a few things. And then it just sort of got to the end of the session. I'm like, hang on, I'm, I'm paying you to give you therapy. This is, this is not right. So I left. And the, 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 final, the final one that I wanted to share with you was actually a psychiatrist. And I, I'm sort of a bit up and down with medication. I'll take it if I need to. I'll take it again if, if it's something that will save my life, if I'm totally depressed. But I want to try and avoid 
medications where possible because I feel like, you know, if 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 something's wrong in my life, if I've if I've got shit people in it or there's shit circumstances, well, medication isn't going to change those circumstances. I need to change the circumstances. I need to change my thinking patterns. Now, obviously, it can go both ways. If your mind's in a better state, that will help you to change the circumstances. So I can see that the cause and effect runs both ways. But what got me was after seeing me for you know 30 minutes, this psychiatrist was willing to and did prescribe me a uh, SSRI, an antidepressant, with no plans on how, to, how long to stay on it, no plans on getting off it. No, it was just it was just like, all right, here's your medicine. After 30 minutes of meeting me for the first time ever. I don't know, that's, that seems to me a little bit a little bit quick. But of course I was quite young and naive and I sort of just trusted that he would have my best intentions in mind and I took the medication and it went abysmally. So the reason I share all this with you is because you know, psychologists are people. Therapists, psychiatrists, counsellors, all of these people are just people. They have their own problems, their own biases. Some studied harder at university. Some didn't really study at all and just scraped by. Some have personalities that you'll connect with. Some won't have, will have personalities that you just jar with. And what I'm suggesting is that you search and you keep searching until you find a good one. And, you know, some, some will help you for a while, but then you might find that your, your needs have changed. So you might need a new therapist, right? What, what I would encourage you, despite, you know, the, 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 the bad experiences I've had, is to keep persisting. Because it's not as simple as, you know, an x-ray sees a broken bone or like a blood scan registers a virus. It's, it's minds operating on minds. Psychology is not a hard science. Now, back to the therapy session that I had yesterday, I highlighted to the new therapist my past experience with, with therapists. And I, I made it abundantly clear. I'm like, I want to know that you're going to have my best interests in hand. I want to know that if you can't help me, you're referring me on to someone who can. And, you know, despite the fact that me being her client is effectively her business, you know, that I, I sort of laid it on the line exactly what I wanted from her, what I need and what I expected and sort of asked what she expected back of me and sort of took the time really to, 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 to sort of establish ground rules and expectations, which isn't really something that I've done before with my therapists. I've sort of just gone in there and been like, hey, this is my problem. But I didn't want to do that this time because if I go in there and say, hey, this is my problem, then I'm worried that they would typecast me into that role. If I present with depression on my first session, is every problem depression? If I present with issues of dissociation and all that sort of stuff, maybe it's complex PTSD. If I present with social anxiety or other sort of stories like that, maybe it's high level anxiety or maybe it's ASD or maybe it's BPD. I don't know. But the point is, is that I wanted to highlight my concerns about a diagnosis and about how I present and all of these other issues. And my therapist was quite receptive to that. She suggested that we have a couple more sessions together to see if we both connect and gel and if we can both help each other and all that sort of stuff. And you know, we'll see how it goes and I'll let you know. But what I'm really trying to drill down on is it's it's vital that you keep pushing through and keep trying. One of the things that I did sort of elaborate to to this new therapist is I've got this 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 problem with social anxiety. I struggle with making and keeping plans. I struggle with phone calls. 
I struggle with ambiguity. The main problem is, is that let's say I make a plan to do something and this could be work or it could be social, but the main issue is social. It's like, I have to be on at that time. If I make a plan with you for one week from now, I'm sort of sitting there thinking about it, ruminating about it, worrying about it. What if I'm not feeling good that day? What if I'm not, you know, all of these things go through my head and that causes me to have a shit time and bail. So then I stop, I stop making plans because I keep bailing on them or people stop making plans with me because I keep bailing on them. And, you know, the response is like, well, just, you know, stay in the present, be, be, you know, like, you know, don't worry about the future, but it's like, it's easier said than done. Right. So I came to her saying like, you know, I want some real world solutions to these problems, not just to think about it and talk about it. Because for me, I use writing therapy. I use a bunch of sort of different outlets to sort of be, to sort of know how I'm feeling about things. As you can tell by this podcast and all the other stuff I do, I'm fairly introspective. I sort of get that side of things, but it's more like, how do I, how do I break that cycle? What I've started doing to combat that is saying to everyone's like, Hey, you know, this is me. This is what it'd be like. I'm interested. I'm keen, but I'll probably bail a bunch of times before I turn up because I have social anxiety and I just have to, you know, grit my teeth, go through the stigma and the embarrassment, you know, back to bring it back to the start of this podcast and be like, Hey, this is what it's like. It's not a reflection on you. You know, if I bail on you, it's not a reflection on you. It's not a reflection on how I feel about you. It's all internal. It's all my, in my head. I have the same situation when someone says or does something that's triggering. You know, there's there's a bunch of words that remind me of my past in some capacity that are triggering. Someone says or talks or discusses those things, it's it's off-putting. I need a break now. I need to step back. Maybe I don't want to see that person for a while that said it. It's not their fault. It's just a word, you know, or an action or a smell or whatever it is. But it's very hard trying to explain to people that it's not them. It's It's me. It's in my head. Because the other thing that happens, and this is sort of what I wanted to really drill down upon here, is, is that everyone thinks it's not them. Everyone thinks that they're the special one. Everyone thinks that, well, uh, yeah, I get you've got mental illness. Yeah, I get you've got these problems. But that surely doesn't apply to me because I'm special. You know, there'll be multiple times where people will listen to me talk. I'll explain this stuff to them in person and say like, hey, these are my problems. Or I know that they're following what I'm talking about online. So they've gotten the message that I have social anxiety. They've gotten the message that I have depression and issues and all of these sort of things. But being that they're them, they think that that stuff that I have an issue with doesn't apply. That it's like, oh, he has, Zach has social anxiety, but not with me. Oh, Zach has depression or, you know, becomes overwhelmed by too many, too many loud noises, but not when I'm around because I'm special. The truth is you're not. It's, it's, it's everyone. It's not just you. And what I mean by everyone, it's like literally my son, literally my, my, my wife, right? You know, it doesn't matter how close you are to me. I need alone time. I need downtime. I get overwhelmed. Things get, you know, it gets hard for me. And yes, I can push through it. Yes, I can do these things, but my God, is it challenging and hard and it's not you, but it's everyone, (laughs) but trying to express to someone that it's like, okay, like, yeah, you feel special, we feel close, but it is everyone. Because, you know, then the then the, the natural response comes, well, that's okay. You can be yourself around me. You can, you know, do what you need to do. Fine. But then I have to, in a state of mental duress, bring that up. You know, I was talking to the psychologist about this. I'm, I'm more than okay with sharing my past, talking about my history, 
you know, going deep into the trauma. Right? Like that's literally what I'm writing books about. I'm doing it for a living, for a, for lack of a better expression. But the, the 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 being vulnerable in front of someone, you know, the the feeling intense outbursts of anger or tears or sadness or emotionality. You know, I might want to just literally lay in the corner and like curl up in a ball, <laughs> you know, fetal position with you know music blaring, or like read a book. Right, that that's like sometimes what I need to do to recover, or like run for two hours. <laughs> so everyone's like, "Oh, you know, you can, you know, if you need to, take some time. You know, you're okay to be yourself around me if you need, you know, all of that sort of stuff." Sure, but you're asking me to be in my most vulnerable state for you. You're asking me to trust that you will actually be okay with that, because I've had a lot of people, friends and family say that they're okay with me bailing or say that they're okay with me having, uh, you know, like taking time out or all of this sort of stuff or talking about triggers. But when it comes down to it in that moment, when I'm like, Hey, I'm, I need to leave or Hey, I'm feeling triggered by that. They don't handle it. Well, they handle it like a regular normal person would, but unfortunately how they're handling it, it doesn't provide the safest of spaces. And when that happens a bunch of times, I then struggle to, to trust the next time it comes about and obviously you know i should take every situation as it comes but there's only so much vulnerability and uh sort of downtime that i can afford to spend right if i if i do get burnt so to speak that costs me somewhere else maybe i have to take time off work maybe i can't train as much maybe i can't write as much maybe i can't spend as much time with my family maybe it'll cause me to want to drink or get high or something like that right so it's sort of like i'm in this constant balance of wanting to be social, wanting to connect, wanting to go out, but also fearing it completely because I don't know where I'll be. And yeah, my psychological response to that was like, okay, like we'll, we'll be able to work through specific ways to deal with that sort of stuff because I do want to be social. I do want to connect, but social anxiety is a bitch. It's so hard. (laughs) It's so hard to deal with because it's like this interlocking web of issues. So what I want to finish this off with is if you can, share how you're feeling. Open and honestly with people. Get yourself a good psychologist. Get yourself a good therapist. And if someone does start sharing with you their mental state, realize that it applies to you as well. If they say, hey, when people do this, it means, hey, when you do this, right? It means when when it, it applies to you as well. Not in an offensive way, not in a attacky way, not in a your special way. It's literally just that's this person with a mental health concern expressing to you that they're impacted by people's words and actions, probably including yours. But in terms of breaking down the stigma, if you appreciate this podcast, maybe shoot them a message and say, hey, I, I, I listened to this and thought of you, or hey, you know, does this apply to you? Are, you? are you trying to hint at me something here? I have to listen to this and check it out. And that way it might breach the gap without being so awkward as to be like, hey, I'm concerned about you. But obviously if you do have the relationship or if you are brave enough, have that concern. If someone's sharing with you a bunch of depressive and suicidal and self-harming memes, right? Laugh along with them because they can be funny, but also just shoot a little like, hey, are you, are you okay, man? Like these are pretty dark. That's enough. Just, just get the conversation started. Get it going. Final thing I want to suggest is that if you, if you do like this podcast, chuck it a review. Um, rate and review it really does help. Anyway, cheers.